0: Against all odds, writer Bostimers went on a trip to Latin America on September the 1st, 2020, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. This is his story, The Long Road to Medellin. Prologue. To go or not to go. Here came the flood. But whether we were just naive in those early days in March, ridiculously underprepared for experiences never lived, or knowingly denying reality, and with that the upcoming first wave, I still don't know. The most vivid memory is that of the last time I met my friends for a football match in a stadium. We had followed our favorite team for a cup game to Leverkusen, That dreary suburb of Cologne, only famous because a pharmaceutical giant, had decided to found their sports team there in 1904. For us, a bunch of friends with varying nationalities that had met in Berlin, but dispersed all over Europe in the previous years. It was the perfect opportunity to finally catch up in person again, though. It now sounds preposterous, but for that one match, we drove from Berlin, flew from Copenhagen and Glasgow, took the crowded train from Rotterdam and Brussels. We had conveniently booked a couple of hotel rooms at Düsseldorf Hauptbahnhof, the main railway station, so we could hop on overcrowded trains and planes early in the morning again. And of course, I shared my room with a friend who came in from another country, Denmark, from another household. The stadium in Leverkusen is as dreary and soulless as the club itself. It is literally squeezed in at the intersection of two highways. During my days in Holland, I had seen the circular glass roof construction many times, but never actually visited, until this Wednesday in March 2020. The surroundings were as middle class and mediocre as you might fear. The 50s had been the time of the Wiederaufbau, the reconstruction of Germany. The areas hardest hit by the Allied bombings had obviously been those around factories. The bio ones were not an exception. So after clearing the rubble, one needed sturdy, cheap, energy-efficient housing, hence Leverkusen. The neighbourhood surrounding the stadium was a case study. Rows and rows of houses, sometimes small apartment buildings, usually left grey. Once every while, one would see a bakery as a sign of human life. And closer to the football ground was a pub with those green, orange, red, blue blinking lights outside, betraying an awful lack of taste, budget, or both. I vote for the latter option. So this wasn't an area to drink a beer with friends. Our meeting point was right outside a stadium called Bay Arena, by the way. That word plays are probably a topic for my next book, but thou shall not digress. We were there for the footy and for each other. Let's hug because we still can," said the first one we met. So we gave a male bonding hug, and I gave him a kiss on the cheek as well, being the gay one of the group. They always let me do that to appear tolerant. Ah, all the things you could do in those days. We obviously drank beer and shared glasses when someone was off pace. We only knew of face masks as those things Japanese people wear all the time in public transport because they are hypochondriacs. There was a strange moment during the match where both fan groups stopped singing and supporting for 20 minutes because a spectator had become unwell. It was eerie, a silence we had no idea would become the norm very soon in professional sports. That evening is so recent, but feels so far away. After the avoidable defeat of our team, we took public transport back to Dusseldorf. The coach was full of singing people. And when we finally found a pub for a drink and some food, they didn't take our temperatures nor did we have to register our contact data. It was one of those dark oak style traditional cafes, where they obviously only served the local Alpia. Yeah, we talked about a virus as well that had appeared in China two months before, and that had led to unbelievable measures in Italy that week, where people were not allowed to leave their houses anymore, unless it was for shopping in the supermarket. Could you imagine that in Germany? A rhetorical denial was the obvious only option. Nine days later, all certainties we had in our lives seemed to collapse. It was Friday the 13th. The football matches for that weekend were canceled and it would turn out to be the last day for a long time where the pubs in my hometown of Berlin were open. It was also the first day of home office for my company as a test run for an expected lockdown. One that might last for two or maybe even four weeks, we guessed. That, my friends, was the bigger societal picture of collapsing certainties. My personal certainty had been that I would travel from September the 1st, 2020 onwards. There had already been this other trip of mine in 2019 when my genius me managed to go from Mexico to Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua and Costa Rica in 101 days. As 101 is a magical number for Depeche Mode fans, I obviously just had to make a book about that adventure. And while starting my blog and the work for the book, it became pretty obvious to me, this had to be repeated as soon as possible. So I deliberately signed only a one year contract at my new employer in the middle of July, 2019. It gave me the financial security to be able to save enough money for another 101 days or possibly more. It gave me planning security as well. September the 1st, 2020, right after the end of the summer holidays, had a big red circle in my electronic agenda. This time, after visiting other parts of Mexico, I would travel to Belize, where rain season would have just ended. Guatemala would get a quick visit to revisit a lost love, before doing the highlight Honduras, the dark horse of this trip. I would probably chill a bit in El Salvador. Yes, that is not a contradicció in Terminis before again finishing in Costa Rica. All those certainties plunged into the abyss on that Friday in March. Suddenly, the question was whether I would even have money, because furlough became a distinct possibility. Suddenly, the question was which countries to visit, because day after day, more governments decided to close the borders completely. Suddenly, the question was to go or not to go. Like almost all people in society, I needed to answer questions I had never needed to answer before. And I was astutely aware my problems were of the luxury type. An average white male European who might stand to lose one of his privileges. Whilst many families were battling with existential challenges or even became infected with the new virus, here was someone that had been focused on that one goal of realizing this dream again of exploring the world. First, I went into survival mode. Adapting to being in home office and just getting through the working weeks. It would only be for two to four weeks, right? Then came reality. Furlough was about to happen, but would only hit me with a reduction of working hours of 30%. And with financial support of the German government, my income drop would only be between 10 and 12%. Which answered my first question would I have money with a conditional yes? In the third stage, rationality finally kicked in. There is a rather brilliant book by Stephen B. Johnson called Farsighted. In it, he explains how we make important, complicated decisions, where a lot of factors are at play and the playing field itself is constantly changing. Needless to say, there is not one optimal solution. So the question is, what answer you would give? The changing playing field, in this case of complicated decision-making, was obviously the pandemic, and especially the measures taken by various governments. But facts do still exist. So, week by week I gathered more information about the infection statistics for the Central American countries, got familiar with the traffic light system for each Mexican province, and noticed that timelines were changed on a weekly basis. Just like the entry requirements, if it even was possible to enter a country at all. In this house of cards, another stack were the flights. The unthinkable had happened. The airline industry had come to an almost perfect standstill worldwide. There weren't lots of flights to the envisioned starting point of Mexico City anymore. And flight cancellations became more frequent than delays in the Berlin local transport. Finally, of course, there was the virus itself. We scoffed at the reasoning behind wearing face masks. Even far into April, it seemed absurd to wear them in supermarkets, where we had been welcomed without any precautionary measures for weeks during the pandemic. But here came the flood, and slowly face masks were obliged in shops and public transport. Home office was extended for an undefined amount of time. It was still unclear how the virus was actually transmitted, and whether flying or traveling or whatever was safe. And on this changing playing field, I had to answer that one question. To go or not to go? What Stephen B. Johnson describes, and what therefore also always happens in my brilliant mind, is that you distill all these factors down to the ones that really matter for your personal decision. I kept my options open as long as possible. I was astutely aware of my bias towards being stubborn and ramming through plans, despite them maybe not making sense anymore. But being aware of your own pitfalls makes your final decision only stronger as well. It also became gradually clear that the economy was going to be slow for a long time. Daily life in Europe would get severely disrupted again in autumn, during a very likely second wave, and the risks of contamination in Latin America were smaller because more of daily life happened outside there. True, some of my designated countries kept their borders closed. But I had defined two absolute no goes for me, and those worst cases hadn't happened yet. More on those knockout criteria later only, my friends. Mexico, though, had been open since at least June and was slowly improving. And when Costa Rica announced its reopening for the middle of August, all puzzle pieces seemed to fall into place. Why not fly from Mexico to Costa Rica and then try to slowly work my way northbound, in the opposite direction of my initial plan. Sure, I didn't have an itinerary from start to finish, but at my self-imposed decision deadline on July 20th, me had plenty of faith the situation would improve enough in Latin America. By the time I would really want to get to Honduras et al, borders would probably have finally opened again. So, the answer to the big question whether to go or not to go was a resounding, well-thought-through yes. I would start to travel on September the 1st as originally planned, to Mexico City as originally planned. Whether all else would go according to plan was written in the stars. The uncertainty about the answer compensated by the confidence in my capability to deal with whatever problems would come along. The excitement typical before big travels immediately became palpable. By the way, what could possibly go wrong? Thank you for listening to another chapter of The Long Roads to Medellin, a book about traveling during the pandemic. If you want to read more travel stories by Boss Timmers about Latin America, visit IntoTheArmsOfAmerica.com.